2018, uh, I begin with a question. Here's the question. What's, what's the unforgivable sin? Sometimes uh, people uh, get convinced maybe they've committed it. Maybe I've done the, the thing that can't be pardoned, that can't be forgiven. Oh no, I'm in trouble. Uh, Mark chapter 3 and some other places in the Gospels talks about that. So, so I just wonder with you out loud, what do you think the unforgivable sin is? What's, what's the sin or combination of sins that God would have to look at us and say, sorry, uh, what you've done, it's, it's too far gone. It can't be forgiven. Could it be murder? Could it be uh, if you unjustifiably take the life of someone else? Could that be the sin where God looks at you and say, you know what, uh, you, you killed somebody created in my image. I can't forgive that. Uh, could it be suicide? And some of you probably were raised in traditions where they said, you know what, you commit suicide, it's, it's not good. You, you, might, uh, you might be in really deep trouble and that might be unforgivable. Could it be adultery? That's having a sexual intercourse uh, as a married person with someone you're not married to. Did you know back in the Old Testament, what did they do with someone who was caught in adultery? Do you remember? They took them outside the city and they threw bricks at their heads till they were dead. Yeah. So again, I asked the question, what's the unforgivable sin? I uh, remember teaching at the Mill Trotter Mission. I actually was preaching one of my early times of, of preaching Anybody at Mel Trotter Mission in Grand Rapids? Anybody ever been there? Anyway, uh, uh, it's, 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 we used to go once a month. It was interesting. Took a group of teens with us. Anyway, I, I'm talking about the unforgivable sin, and as I'm talking to them, I, I say, and uh, could it be someone who's enslaved to alcohol? Could that be the unforgivable sin? And, and one of the guys back in the back shouted, Oh, Mr. Please don't let it be that one. <laughs> Do you know why he shouted? Because that's the one that he was struggling with. That was the entangling, besetting sin that he was enslaved to. The truth is, we're all enslaved. Please, mister, don't let it be the one that I'm enslaved to. Don't let it be the besetting, entangling sin that I struggle with. It's funny because he was just honest enough to say it out loud. Most of us, if I listed off, you'd be quiet. I hope they don't know that that's the one that I struggle with. This morning we're going to look at two men who seem to be beyond forgiveness. From our perspective, uh, it's going to look like their situation is hopeless. If if anybody's beyond redemption, it seems likely it's these two. And we're going to see from God's word how Jesus deals with two men who look like, you know, I'm pretty sure if, if there's unforgivable, you guys are likely good candidates. How does Jesus deal with people that the world says are beyond redemption? Locate with me on your phone. Or in your Bible, Gospel of Luke, 
chapter 23. Uh, as you get there, chapter 23 of Luke, Jesus is already nailed to the cross. Jesus is already hanging there on Good Friday, and he's being executed as a criminal on a Roman cross. Uh, he's just a few hours away from death, but on both sides of Jesus are two criminals. Two men who were executed just like Jesus on a Roman cross. Now, sometimes the word thief makes us think, well, maybe they just stole an apple or something little. Please understand, the Romans reserved execution on a cross for the worst of criminals. Okay? They, they, didn't, they didn't execute on a cross anybody the most vicious and heinous crimes. You tracking? So just understand, these criminals, they had done something really awful. And one writer, as I was reading this week, suggested that maybe that center cross was meant to be for Barabbas. If you look back in Mark chapter 15 and verse 15 this next week, read that. And Pilate is doing everything he can because he doesn't want to put Jesus on the cross. He, he knows he's not guilty of anything. So he takes Barabbas and Jesus out before the crowd and he says, who do you want me to pardon? And the crowd, stirred up by the Jewish religious leader, shouts for Barabbas. And Barabbas is freed, and now Jesus is sent to the cross. It could be that middle cross was meant for Barabbas, and on both sides of Jesus, perhaps, are cohorts. They were part of the rebellion. And if you look at Mark chapter 15, in verse 7, it says they had committed murder in this uprising. Maybe, maybe that's where these men came from. We don't know, but we do know it was a serious crime. Nobody was executed unless it was considered serious. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read out loud together from God's word. We're going to start with verse 32 of Luke chapter 23, and then we're going to read down to verse 43. So join me, if you would, please. Let's read. This is God's word. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, 
for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, first I want to say thank you. Thank you for uh, getting this wonderful episode, this wonderful story, this wonderful conversation down on parchment exactly as you intended. Thank you, Lord, that we get to learn today from Jesus' last conversation on the cross. And Lord, I'm praying that what you inspired, that it might have power, it might be alive, it might speak to us today, 2018. Lord, thank you for uh, your word, and thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So, Lord, we just want to pause. We realize nothing good happens Nothing that's lasting, that's make a difference for eternity occurs unless your spirit is involved and alive and working in and through us. So we want to be ready to respond. We, We want this to make a difference in our lives today. So would you come and take charge? Would you come and be the king in our lives even right now? And yet, Lord, we recognize that for you to come and sit and rule and reign, the thrones, our lives, our minds, our hands, our lips need to be clean. So, Lord, would you point out now any places in our lives that aren't clean, that need your washing and your cleansing? And, and Lord, we're grateful everybody here today who knows your Son is Savior and Lord, you marked our accounts paid in full by the shed blood of the Lamb. (laughs) Wow. How amazing, Lord, it is to have our accounts marked paid in full. So now, Lord, we take full advantage of that and we write the check of confession. What you're making clear to us right now that we've not dealt with, maybe we've ignored it, Maybe we've shoved it under the rug. Lord, maybe we've been blaming or excusing it. No more. Lord, what you're making clear right now, thought, word, deed, that's a wall between us and your son, we're going to tear down that wall. We're going to confess. And you call it sin, and we're going to call it the same thing. Purify our hearts. Cleanse our minds. Wash our lips. Thank you for allowing us to get back in right relationship whenever we mess up in various ways. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Two thieves and Jesus. It, uh, it seems from the Luke passage that there's one good criminal, 
if you can say that, and one bad criminal on the cross next to Jesus. That's how it looks here in Luke. But I would encourage you this next week, go back to Matthew 27 and Mark chapter 15, and you find that there isn't one good criminal and one bad criminal, but it says the criminals, plural, S, who were crucified with Jesus also heaped insults on him. So early on, the crucifixion experience, if you will, both of the robbers, both of the criminals were yelling and blaspheming and shouting ugly, hate-filled words and insults at Jesus. So understand, it's both of them going at it. So then you got to ask the question, so what happened? If they both were yelling at Jesus, both were angry at Jesus, both insulting uh, with ugly words, uh, what happened? What stopped the shouting and the cursing at Jesus in the heart of the soft-hearted, receptive criminal? Go back in the passage, Luke 23. Look at verse 35. Uh, Luke gives us some insight here. This guy has a front row seat to the sneering, to the mocking, verse 36, of the crowd, to the challenging of the religious leaders, to the insults of the soldiers. Uh, He's right there. He's watching it all. But he also heard what happened in verse 34. It's a pretty important verse. Look at verse 34. Here's what Jesus says, Father... Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Did you catch that? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This guy was just a few feet away. I I believe he heard what Jesus said with his own ears. He heard the love and the forgiveness and the compassion that Jesus showed his abusive, uh, shouting, insulting, blaspheming crowd all around. It, it seems the crowd was going crazy, and the target of their anger, the target of their abuse was Jesus. And this soft-hearted thief, he had a couple hours, a front-row seat, if you will, to listen to, to Jesus, to watch how he responds to the crowd, to, to watch how despite their angry and bitter words, he, he was loving, he was forgiving, he was kind. And slowly, listen, his heart began to melt. Seems like he began his time on the cross with a very hard heart. But slowly, as he began to believe, the hardness begins to soften up. So what happened to the other criminal? So you got one, his heart begins to melt. What happened to the other criminal? Because he was bloody and broken and dying. He too just had a few minutes to live. Please understand, uh, in a few minutes, Jesus is going to breathe his last breath. Um, they're going to come get the, uh, those on the cross, off the cross, before 
Passover. They didn't want people on a cross during their great holiday, so they came to break their legs. Jesus was already dead. You understand? So this criminal was just about to have his legs broke. He could no longer lift up so he could breathe. He, he was about to die. He was in the exact same position as Jesus. Nails in his hands and feet. You understand? He, he was very near death. Uh, right to the end, though, he's bitter and he's angry. So you think, what's wrong with this guy? I, I would argue this guy spiritually won the Powerball lottery, you know, with, with hundreds and hundreds of millions spiritually. This guy landed right next to the Christ. You understand? Of all the people he could have been crucified next to, this guy ended up to Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. He was dying right next to him. Think of it this way. He was dying next to the guy who created the wood that he was being crucified on. Did you track with me there? The one who created all the wood in the world throughout all of creation, that was Jesus, Colossians 1. He winds up right next to the guy who created the wood that he and Jesus were being crucified upon. Why then? Why doesn't he say yes to Jesus? He, he saw the very same things that the guy who, whose heart melted saw. Why doesn't he say yes to Jesus? 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, I think, is one of those verses that explains why. 1 Corinthians 1, 18, write it down, refer back to it next, this next week. But here's... What Paul writes, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Pause. Think about that. For those who are headed away from Jesus, away from the truth, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to those of us who are being saved by this message, that message is the power of God. It's what worked a new life in us. It's the power of God in us. Understand this. Listen, there are two types of people in this world. And they're represented by each of the criminals next to Jesus on the cross. Okay? There are two types of people in this world. And one of those types are those who are perishing. Uh, they are those who said, no, thank you, Jesus. The message of the cross, to me, doesn't make sense. I, I don't want to follow you. I'm not interested in being yours, Jesus. I consider that foolishness. The Greek word is moronos. Does that sound like any word that you've ever uttered out of your lips? Yeah, you ever called somebody a moronos? It's where we get our... Our word, moron. You, you, you are behaving like a moron. Okay? So, so what in context does that mean? Okay? Track with me here. Someone hears about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, willingly leaving the glory, the splendor of heaven, 
He takes on a human body, and for 33 years, Jesus, uh, abused, insulted, attacked, lives a sinless life without fault, thought, word, deed, for 33 years. Therefore, Jesus Christ alone uniquely is qualified to be our sinless, without spot or blemish, Lamb of God. And Jesus willingly allowed his blood to flow for our greatest problem. What's our greatest problem? Tell me. Tell me. Say it loud. Turn it to your neighbor. What's his greatest problem? You're a sinner. What? Now tell him back. Well, you're a sinner too. Yeah. Our greatest problem, and the only solution to our greatest problem is what? The shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus willingly took our place in the grave. But early on Sunday morning, that's what next Sunday is all about. He literally, bodily, physically arose from the dead. He did that for whosoever will believe. Whosoever will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they will be saved. And the people hear that and they say, eh, no thanks. I, don't th- I, think I'll, I think I'll do it my way. I think I'll be fine. That sounds foolish. That sounds moronic. No thank you. Do you understand? There are those who hear the greatest truth that's ever been offered, and they say, no, no, I, I, I think I'll do it my way. You ever heard that song? I hate that song. I always think, Whoever's saying, you are a moron. Do you understand? That is foolishness that you would think that. That thinking, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, and and it's it's going to cost you for all of eternity. How many of you have family members or friends that when they look at Jesus and the cross and the shed blood and the empty tomb and the gift of eternal life, they look at you and say, I don't think so. I think I'm going to do it my way. I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. I think I'm going to be fine. How many of you have family members, people that you love, people that you care about? It's sad. Here's what you need to know today as we study this story. Don't give up on those people. Some of you, you've been hanging in there for years. Some of you, you've been praying and loving on people and looking out for them for decades. Is that not true? And I just want you to know, it's not too, as long as they've got life, they've got breath in their lungs, as long as they've got life in their body, don't you give up on them. Why? Because we're about to look at the guy like in the final minutes of his life. What does he do? <laughs> he gives his heart and his life to Jesus. It's like, wow. And oh, by the way, why wouldn't you want some of those people to come with you next Sunday? Why wouldn't you say, you know what? That person that I care and I say I love, I'm going to do everything I can to get him here next Sunday. And and by God's grace, they're going to hear about the cross and they're going to hear about the shed blood and the empty tomb. And you can pray for me that I do that in a kind and gentle way. That's not my normal way. So you pray for me all week long. Oh, Lord, give him lots of gentleness and kindness. It's going to be a good service. But here's the point. Did you know 
Statistically, 8 out of 10 of your family members or friends, if you'll invite them, they'll come. Here's the problem. On a given year, only 2% of us invite people like that to come join us. That, that's the weak spot. They'll come. What's the problem? They're not getting asked. So we say, oh, yeah, I got people like that. Well, keep praying. Keep getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep splashing the reality of Jesus on them. Oh, yeah, but why don't you invite them? Come on. Come on. Why don't, I want you to come and be with me. And we'll even do something afterwards. Here's bold. I'll cook lunch for you. Right, Henry? Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or we'll go to the big boy or we'll go, we'll go to BC Pizza and we'll, we'll, we'll go at the buffet right after, right after the service. Okay, got it? So that's the challenge. Okay, here we go. Here's, here's the hope. Here's why we don't give up. Here's why we don't quit praying. Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Uh, Luke 23, verse 40. Here's, here's the soft-hearted criminal. He looks at the one rebuking Jesus and says, don't you fear God? Hey, buddy. I'm not sure he even knew his name. Maybe he did. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the very same sentence, you're hanging there on a cross just like he is. We are being punished justly, for we are getting just exactly what our deeds deserve. (laughs) But this man, this guy here in the middle, this Jesus... This king of the Jews, what's he say? He's done nothing wrong. I want you to see a few key things here that he says. Uh, He says, I've got a fear of God. You clearly don't have a fear of God. You keep shouting at him. Uh, Don't you know we're under judgment here? We're being punished. And he admitted his unworthiness. He admitted, you know what? I'm a sinner. (laughs) And I deserve exactly the punishment I'm getting right now. That's powerful. I'm getting exactly what my deeds deserve. And then he recognizes the guy in the middle, Jesus. There's something about, he's not a sinner like us. He saw in Jesus this, this, this ability to forgive and love and, and compassion in Christ. And he said, this guy, I think he really is the king of the Jews. He's done nothing wrong. And now he's going to throw himself on the mercy of God. Look at verse 42. It's a powerful, powerful verse. Then then he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, would you? Jesus, you as the king, when you go into your kingdom, could you remember me? (laughs) I love it. Confesses he's a sinner looks to Jesus for mercy and grace in the kingdom of Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said back to the hard-hearted criminal? Did you notice? What did Jesus say back to the hard-hearted criminal? I'll give you the sign. You ready? Here's what he said. What's that mean? Zip. He didn't say anything. To the hard-hearted criminal, Jesus said nothing. But then... He turns to the open-hearted criminal and he says in the final minutes of his life, this, this is powerful, verse 43, Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. 
Now, this guy did not have time to jump off the cross and get baptized. Would you not agree? There, there was not any, any room for that. He wasn't going to have time to join a church. He wasn't going to have time to walk an aisle and pray a prayer uh, and, and raise a hand. This, this criminal didn't have time to go put money in the offering plate. He didn't have time to go serve and use his spiritual gift in the church. He didn't have time to join a community small group. Uh, This guy didn't even have time to go make amends for his crimes. He didn't have time to do anything. Because in just a couple minutes, he's going to be dead. I would argue this criminal... He is the poster boy for Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The, 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 the living example of what this verse is all about. Okay, You want to read this with, with me? I think it would be good. Yeah, read with me. Here we go. For it is by grace you've been saved through, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Nobody's going to say on the day of judgment, well, I, I was really nice and I earned my way in. How'd you do? I, I was good. I was nice. I was moral. I worked my tail off. And sure enough, ta-da, look what you got, Jesus. <clears throat> it's not what it's all about. It's by grace, by faith alone, in Christ alone. There's nobody going to boast Dying breath, confessed, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You clearly aren't. Jesus, show me mercy. And in the final minutes of his life, he's given grace. He's given eternal life by faith alone in Christ alone. Now let's talk a little bit about that word paradise. Um, It says, verse 43, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Uh, paradise is the same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, fancy word Septuagint, but they use the word paradise in Genesis 2, verses 8 to 10, and verse 16, in reference to the Garden of Eden. Paradise, it's the Garden of Eden. Tracking? And, and then in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, I was caught up in the third heaven. I was caught up in, any guesses? Paradise. There in your presence, Lord, I was caught up there with you in paradise. And in Revelation 2 and verse 7, very same word is used once again, those given the right to eat of the tree of life. Those who are going to eat of the tree of life, which is a part of the new heaven and the new earth. So here's what you need to know. Jesus is promising him, you got a place with me in heaven. You're going to be with me for all of eternity. He's telling him, I I know that today you're going to die, but today after you die, you're going to join me and be with me. Now one of the questions I get more than almost any other And this usually happens 
when someone dies and they know Jesus, but now the family asks, where are they right now? They have a family member, someone you care about, someone you love, and now they die, and and now suddenly you're thinking, well, well, where are they? Like, right now. I want to know. I want to know, where are they? Well, here's the answer. You ready? 2 Corinthians 5.8. Okay, write this one down. When you die, when someone you care about dies, where are they? Paul says is to be absent from the body, okay, is to be, what's it say? Present with the Lord. So as soon as I exit this, this skin and bones, this shell, it's to be present with the Lord. He says something quite similar, Philippians 1, 22, 23. Paul says, to the church at Philippi, I desire, I desire to leave and be present with the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's better that I stay and be with you. What's the idea there? I really want to leave. I want to leave this body. I want to leave this earth and be present with Jesus Christ. Now go back to verse 43. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to the soft-hearted criminal. Today, where's he going to be? You're going to be with me in paradise today, today, okay? So a few things, this is important, teaches us there's no such thing as soul, sleep. You kind of just, your, your soul is sleepy for a while. There are some cults who believe that. Uh, this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Philippians 1, 20, it just kills that, okay? Um, it also beats up real hard this whole idea of purgatory, where you got to go to this place and you haven't been real bad, but you haven't been real good, and, and you got to be working out your salvation, and maybe, just maybe, you'll, you'll be able to get into to the happy place. Can, can I just tell you, this just kills that thought. No, today, absent from the body, present with the Lord, depart to be with Jesus Christ. And, and lots of folks, especially the Hindu thought, uh, well, I'm going to get another chance. If I don't do good this time around, well, maybe next time, you know, uh, I'll come back as a bunny rabbit or something. Right, Casey? Or, or uh, I'll come back. No, 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 you're not. Uh, it's today, and today you're either going to go and be with Jesus or you're going to be like with the other criminal. Today you're going to face judgment. There's, there's no such thing as a second chance. One thief rejects Jesus, headed for judgment. The other thief, soft-hearted, believes throws himself on the mercy of Jesus Christ, he's going to be with Jesus Christ today, today. So, we have two criminals dying on a Roman cross, and here's the truth. All of us here today are going to respond in one of two ways. Either we'll be like the soft-hearted believing throwing ourselves on the mercy and grace of Jesus, realizing he's a king and he's sinless and, and he's never sinned. And, and Jesus, remember me, I, I believe in you. Or we're going to be like that hard-hearted criminal and we're going to say, no thanks. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to call my own shots. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Romans 3.23 says that we've all fallen short of God's glory. So track with me, everybody here. Are you ready? (laughs) You are a criminal as far as sin is concerned. 
Did you know that? I say that as nicely as possible, but you are a thief. You are a sinner, and you are deserving of judgment. So it's not a question of, um, well, I'm not a thief. Yes, you are. We're all thieves. And Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is what? Okay, so what we earned for our sinfulness, we deserve the payment is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask once again, which criminal are you? You are one of them, one or the other. Will you reject the mercy and the grace of Jesus right to your dying breath? I'm going to do it my way. Be a moron? Excuse me. Or will you acknowledge the greatness of Jesus? Will you admit your sinfulness and seek the mercy and forgiveness of Christ? We asked to begin a hard question. You ready? What's the unforgivable sin? What's the sin that cannot be forgiven? Are you ready? It's what that hard-hearted criminal demonstrates to us. That's the only sin. It's the attitude that, okay, I've seen the light of the world. I've heard the truth. I know you're offering me eternal life, but I don't want to follow you. I'm not interested in being your child. I reject you, Jesus. I reject the life. I reject your shed blood. No thank you to the empty tomb. That is the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. And if you go to Mark 3, where those who are blaspheming the Holy Spirit and rejecting that Jesus is the Messiah, that's the exact same thing they're doing there. The only unforgivable sin is when we look at Jesus and we know what he's done and we know that he's offering, if we'll confess with our mouth, that Jesus Christ is the Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, what's it say? You will be saved. And when we say no thank you, he respects our decision. I do not believe that we are pre-programmed robots. I want you to know, theologically, I'm a Calvinist. But I also want you to know, we got a choice in the matter. We are going to either say yes to Jesus, or we are going to say no thank you to Jesus. Which means that many people, I would argue most people, if you give them the choice, here's eternal life, Follow Jesus, best decision of your life, or you can do it your way. Most people choose poorly. I would argue that Jesus doesn't send them to hell or the lake of fire. I would argue they send themselves to hell and the lake of fire. They've been invited they, they are offered the same gift, and they say, no, thank you. And here's what you need to know. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force us to say yes to him. He will respect our decision. 
I respect your decision. You can reject me. And by doing so, they are choosing judgment. They are choosing the lake of fire. If there's breath in your lungs, if there's life in your body this morning, I got good news. There's hope. (laughs) You can cry out to Jesus. You can tell him you're a sinner. Jesus, I realize you're my Savior. You took my place on the cross. You shed your blood. You came out of that tomb early Sunday morning. Jesus, I cry out to you. Rescue me. A desperate sinner in need of you. Last question. Which criminal are you? Because we're all one or the other. Which one represents your life right now? Let's pray. Say it once again, there's not one good thief and one bad thief. Not one good criminal and one bad criminal. The truth is, they both were guilty of awful, evil crimes. They both were sinners who deserved and earned punishment. The difference is one sinner threw himself on the mercy of Christ, while the other sinner turned his back on Jesus and rejected the gift of eternal life by saying yes to Jesus. So as we close, I need to ask, anybody say Palm Sunday 2018? Jesus... I've been saying no thanks, maybe for a long time. I'll live my own way. I'll live my own life. But today it's clear I've been choosing poorly. Today, Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I want you to rescue me. I cry out for your mercy, just like that soft-hearted criminal Whose heart got melted? You're melting my heart right now. Anybody say, that's me, Jesus. Would you lift up your hand? I just want to pray for you. Yeah. I won't, uh, won't call you out, won't embarrass you. Anybody else? Right where you are. Yeah. Anybody else? Jesus, I've been choosing poorly today. I want to say yes to you. Anybody else? Yeah. Right where you're seated. i got great news. You ready? You can be like that that soft-hearted criminal. So I'd like everybody, okay? So I, I know many of you have been followers for a long time, but it's, it's healthy for us to repeat the facts, okay? It's healthy for us to cry out, remind ourselves what Jesus has done, and now I know what to say to the people Jesus brings my way this next week. So everyone, Jesus, I believe that you are the sinless Lamb of God. Now say it loud, and Jesus, I believe that you took my place on that cross. And Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. And Jesus, I believe you took my place in that grave. And Jesus, I believe that early on Sunday morning, 
You didn't stay dead. Say it loud. You arose from the dead. You did that for me. And by faith, right now, Jesus, I receive you as my king. Rescue me. I love you, Jesus. Thanks, Lord. And I pray for those who have lost, hard-hearted thieves in their lives. Help them not to give up on them. We love you, Lord. You are an awesome God. Thank you for recording Luke 23 for us. We are blessed to have it. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray.